We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is up, everybody, and welcome into the Backliners Podcast, Agro and Barracuda. As per usual, bringing you another flawless, uh, perfect, um, pristine, clean, handsome podcast here on the Backliners. And in fact, this perfect episode of the Backliners is presented by Factor Meals. Head on over to go.factor75.com slash backliners60 for 60% off your first box. That's gofactor75, those are the numbers, dot com, backliners60, again, the numbers, uh, in order for 60% off your first box, it's a great deal. Barra, uh, we're kind of in that awkward zone where patch notes are tomorrow, um, since we're doing this podcast on a Tuesday. Uh, so we're going to have a lot to talk about next week and probably even the week after that, because it wouldn't surprise me if we did a whole episode uh, or a lot of episode. That, well, it's my my first God is coming out this patch. So we got. I'm sure I'm going to want to... Yeah, it's all ready. It's ready to go. Nope. I know. Tomorrow I get to show them off to everybody. It's crazy that it's uh, that it's finally time. Uh, no. Not really. Yeah, I mean, nothing I could do to change it now. Um, <laughs> you just gotta, you just gotta be able to, to let her go. Wait, you guys can't hear Barra? Really? Why is that the case? You think? Hmm. I literally just tested this to see if it would work. So I'm very confused as to why I can hear you. So it's definitely something to do with the stream. Again, perfect, uh, flawless, um, all that kind of stuff. Barra, could you talk again for me? No, not yet. We're still working on it, though. You know, you can just keep on doing your thing. Not that one. How about this one? All right. How about now, Bear? Hello. Hello. It's me. All right. We got him. We got him. John right. Salter. There he is. Yeah. Uh, Bear said, so I said, uh, my God, coming up. And then Bear said, wow, I thought that was so much further away. And then I said, no. And then Bear was like, are you nervous? And then I said, no, nothing I can do to change it now. And then Barra laughed. And then I looked at chat and you guys were saying you couldn't hear Barra. I wow, think, you have a really good memory. Yeah. I, I think I got it all uh, right there. But yeah, it'll uh, it'll be a good amount about, um, I'm going to, I'm sure, want to talk a little bit about Maui and all that kind of stuff. Um, it is crazy. I said his name and then my brain went, you can't say that. Like, don't, don't leak it. Like, you're not allowed. Uh, you got Baskin syndrome. I got Baskin syndrome for sure, but I'm allowed. 
these days. I'm allowed. I can even roll up my sleeves. If you you may have noticed, podcast viewers may have noticed that in recent weeks my sleeves have been rolled up all the time, and it's because I got a little Maui tattoo here on my arm, which is like an awkward angle to like show the camera. Um, but I didn't want to. I didn't want to spoil it too early, so I had to like oh. wear long sleeves so that no one saw it. It's been so itchy, man. It's been so itchy. Yeah, I've never gotten a tattoo. Yeah, we're gonna get you one right on the face. Uh, mm, no. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, no. I I've been wanting to get like a sleeve for so long, and I don't. Know. I think you could really pull off a sleeve. I think you. Yeah, really I can. don't. I don't know where to start, but I really mm. want one. But like, I don't know what because my brain is like towards tattoos is like it has to be very like important. It has to have like such a high like status because it's going to be on me like forever Mm -hmm. so that i just haven't found a design or like a theme i guess sure that i want like forever because i've been thinking about lately for like the last like year or two i want to get like a tattoo for scott Mm -hmm. and i don't know what to get i thought about the getting like starcraft races you know like they have like the emblems and stuff but i wanted to get like all three of those like together because that was, like, the game we grew up playing, so I mm-hmm. thought that'd be cool. Yeah. And then that just kind of, like, the idea came, and then I was just like, that's cool, and then I haven't gotten back to that idea or, like, tried to come up with anything. But yeah. yeah, I'll say for me, I was never, like, I was always pretty ambivalent on tattoos. I was like, yeah, if I find something I like, I'll get it, and if I don't, then I won't. Um, mm-hmm. And then every tattoo, I'm up to five now. I have five nice. tattoos. Wow. Uh, and for all five, a lot of them have been my wife's suggestions because she's so smart. Um, uh, and Is she close? Always. I'm no, I, I never have. I never have any room. Uh, in a good way that I like. Uh, oh, God. Um, <laughs> me, like, listening for the stairs. See if she or she's coming right. Um as soon as I've heard the idea, I've been like, okay, yep, that's it. Like, I don't have to think mm-hmm. about it. I That sounds really good. Uh, I I love the idea. It's perfect. And then I don't have to, if I have to like go, mm, that could be cool, but I wonder if, you know, like then I know I'm not ready for that tattoo or something else needs to change about it in order for me to be ready to get it. Um, mm-hmm. But for all of mine, it's that I've gotten, it's, I hear it and I know it's like a gut, it's a gut feeling that I know instantly. I'm like, yeah, that's what that's what I want to get next. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I just like, can't stop thinking about it until I get it. Um, so that's my experience, yeah, you know, I haven't had one of those gut feelings that I really want to. I just want to see a design or like something and be like, yeah, that's for me. Mm-hmm. Like 100%. And yeah. I think I'll know it once I see it. And I think yeah. also, I think once I get the first one, everything else will come way sooner and way quicker. That like, is absolutely true. Yeah, the first one feels like it has the most, like, weight Mm -hmm. or, you know, all that kind of stuff. And you also, like, don't really know what to expect. Uh, I don't know about, I I don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast at all, but I personally think that anyone who says that getting tattoos doesn't hurt at all is lying. Uh, I think that's just a lie. (laughs) Uh, It definitely hurts. Um, It's not excruciating pain or torture or anything like that, but it is not something that I enjoy. Um, And can you relate the pain to something that I would know? Like, um, like number wise, like, is it like worse than getting pinched? Is it the same as getting like pinched? Or? It's it's like getting pinched very intensely in the same spot over and over again. Um, that sounds awful. 
it isn't great like i said but it's really not that bad uh it's like uh i would describe it as like a a six like it's not i don't know it's like a six that you know will be over eventually but it's a it's Mm -hmm. a pain that i would say if you experience that in like without anything else going on and all of a sudden that feeling just happened on your arm everyone on the planet would move their arm to get away from that feeling right (laughs) like no one's like yeah i don't even notice it like that's not how it works um but you kind of get into a zone and it, it stops like it isn't terrible pain or anything like that there are parts that that hurt a lot like you bleed uh yeah you bleed a little bit um it feels i mean it is exactly what it feels like you are getting scratched very hard and very deeply in the same spot uh very but like up and down scratched very quickly um but it also does feel like a little side to side i don't know it's it's a very unique feeling that i don't i don't dread it in any way um i'm not like oh my god i have to go through that like Mm-hmm. it's just something that you know you got to do and the end result has always been super worth it uh it's also yeah. like where you get tattooed right like some are yes. way more sensitive than others and yes exactly like i got this uh tattoo on my outer arm on my forearm and it's like three lines the the top and the bottom line were the least painful tattoos i've gotten because it's like v- tons of like back up there it's all and it's not really on bone at all it's all like on muscle or fat the middle line though that runs directly along my forearm was the most painful tattoo i've gotten by like a lot i would say that one that one hurt like going down the the middle of my forearm bone oh yeah that one hurts (laughs) that one definitely hurt but you know it's like a you just gotta grit your teeth and you're through it in in a couple like in you know 30-ish minutes because it wasn't like a huge tattoo that needs uh that needs a bunch of shading like area or anything tylenol ibuprofen help beforehand or is that like an after you get it done thing yeah you don't really need it afterwards like it'll be t- oh, okay. tender but it doesn't like hurt forever it just, like itches right yeah so it kind of goes through okay. phases like for the first two days depending on the size and like how much shading in that because shading is what really hurts the worst because they have to like get color depth in there um Mm, okay and it's kind of going over the exact same spot over and over again uh the it'll be like it'll be tender to touch for a couple days um and then it will start to itch uh and it will itch very badly uh and you aren't allowed to scratch it uh, because that can mess it up so you don't want to scratch it but it's really tough uh, and it starts looking really nasty and like, you know, you'll think that your tattoo is coming off because like pieces of just black skin are falling off and all that kind of stuff. But that's normal. You know, you just let it happen. Don't, don't pick at it. Uh, and it'll be fine. You just toss some moisturizer on it a couple times a day. And yeah, I feel like I'm keep selling myself not to get a sleeve. Um, well, I have, I don't have a sleeve. I do have one of my best friends. She wanted a sleeve and didn't really have a direction and she just found an artist that she really liked and was like, I want animals. Do whatever. And just like oh. let this artist kind of go to town. And her sleeve looks awesome. Um, Wait, can you send me pictures? Yeah, I can. Uh, it, is, uh, it, it was really cool. But, you know, getting a sleeve is very expensive and very time consuming. Um, mm-hmm. But if you find that, like, if you don't know what you want to get, but you know you want a sleeve, that's what I was going to tell you is like, 
if you can find an artist that you that whose style you really like and you know they'll they'll work with you and be like all right yeah i'm gonna do this and this and this and all that kind of stuff but um if you can find an artist style that you like and want to just give like a light direction and kind of let them design one for you i think that it could come out like really sick oh dude i could get one at like the beginning of like my gaming career and then like have it go like all the way to smite that'd be cool that would be sick yeah a little some like halo action in in the middle yeah, there have like, like halo starcraft some mario 64 that yeah that, that's okay cool, actually. okay okay i made an idea <laughs> we're getting there now you just now we just gotta flesh it out all right let's talk a little bit about smite at the oh yeah, yeah smite, uh, smite, smite, youtube smite. comment yeah. you know insert here here's your timestamp. yada 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 13 minutes um SPL this weekend, uh, some pretty interesting sets, I thought. Uh, you know, started off a little spicy with you guys versus the Valks. Um, little uh-huh. uh, little unfortunate for you guys on the Bolts, but exciting for yeah. the Valkyries fans. Yeah, not going to lie, I was stressing so hard during that set, I was dissociating. So <laughs> <Dissociating>. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, you're like, wow, not, this not Kurtinos, lying, by the way. This Kurtinos is like... not doing very much. And you're like, wait, I'm the Kurtinos. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was sitting here staring at my monitor. Because I, I played from home that day, thankfully. Thanks mm-hmm. to Kabam and the admins let me play from home. And I was literally staring at my monitor, and I was just like zoning out so hard mm-hmm. and my teammates were talking and like i was playing and i was like i don't know what they're saying i'm trying so hard to listen but it's like not getting to my brain mm-hmm. it's i'm just not here and thankfully like it got resolved but the stress of the event i mean obviously i can't go into details and won't go into details about what happened sure. um but just uh Really awful Friday morning, and uh, yeah, then I had to play SPL a few hours later, so uh, I was idea. a bit fried that day. Thankfully, um, yeah, I I genuinely don't remember the Valk set at all. Like, I Fair enough. don't remember at all. Uh, I remember Sunday's set against Leviathans, I think that set went pretty good, we almost won. Yeah. Uh, but the Valk set, I, I couldn't talk anything about that set, I have no idea what happened. Fair enough. I think that we're good to leave it there then. Um, Bugs versus Kings uh, was the next set on Friday. This one was pretty typical Kings smite. Like, mm-hmm. 8 to 5 in kills in the win uh, in game 1. 10 to 8 in kills in their favor in the win in game 2. 26 minutes. 25 minutes. Uh, maybe a little faster than expected sometimes for Kings games, but... Um, pretty uh yeah no 40 minute yeah no 40 minute bangers uh so you know they were feeling generous that day um mm-hmm. but overall uh in in watching back a little bit of this set you know the scarabs you're looking for what they're doing week to week how they're changing and kind of evolving mm-hmm. uh their strategies week to week um i liked the idea of yark on kepri sam on pele uh, just kind of letting him go wild uh, in the middle of the team fight. Um, mm-hmm. But against a team like the Kings, I think that that strategy didn't work due to how the Kings like to play the map and how they like to play the game. It's really hard to drag them into a fast-paced, kill-heavy game. Um, and I don't really know that the Scarabs drafted super well with that in mind. Uh, 
I just don't see a ton of value in like drafting Robin solo against the Kings, right? Like Mm -hmm. what are, you know, you're not going to be able to goad them into lots of fights around that Robin in the early game. And Robin solo scales like, okay, I guess into the late game, but he's not the late game team fight carry uh, that, that you can draft in the solo lane. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, I don't know. I, it, these i thought the the scarabs looked a little bit better to me um but i was it was their drafting that i wasn't a huge fan of personally in this set yeah i didn't watch the set uh but i think anytime yar can play kepri i think kepri will always be a good god so if he can start adding that to his god pool i think the more the more time you have on kepri i think that is beneficial for literally everyone on your team right yeah, agreed. I think that's uh, one of those picks that you could, should kind of always have on the on the back burner, mm-hmm. in the back pocket, so to speak. Uh, oh, nice. Got a nice little Final K raid. Hello, uh, all the Final K fans out there. Thanks for tuning in. Um, yeah, what's up, boys? We're talking about last weekend in the SPL, and we're moving on to the Titans up against the Valks. This was a huge opportunity, I felt like, for the Valks to really gain a ton of momentum in this phase. You know, they come off beating mm-hmm. you guys on Friday. They come into Saturday. The Titans have looked good but not unbeatable uh so far in this phase valkyries looked really really good in game one i mean this was a really really close game and just ultimately can't close out uh this game one and then after that type of you know after the way that game one went it could be really really hard to bounce back and end up playing well in game two uh after after Mm -hmm. a situation like that i feel like what happened in game one? I, I I don't think I watched many sets this weekend, unfortunately. No, you're good. I was a uh, I was a bit busy. I think I'm. A, I have to scroll through uh, the vod in order to double check my uh, my knowledge here. But mm-hmm. if I remember correctly, this was a game that they should have had um, that just got away from them a little bit. Uh, but I kind of forget. Were they still going like? Their double assassin mid comp, or was Benny on like? Yeah, a Benny was on Naja mid uh, again. Yep. Um, on set solo. Uh, it looks like this wasn't as in their favor as I thought it was. Uh, just scrolling through the vod. Um, yeah, I remember checking in and being like, "Wow, the Valks are owning," but maybe it was just it just ended up being real close. Um, yeah, but yeah, could have just been like a few kills in the beginning exactly yeah i mean benny doesn't have the best score line at the end of the game two and seven uh on the naja mid but Kirmi Kirmi adding things like set to the to the threat pool mm-hmm. you know i think that phase one and two i thought of Kirmi as like a circuit player uh someone who wants to set up his team more so than hard carry the games on his own uh and set is not a setup god that's a i'm gonna do it all for the boys by myself type of god and i think that if he can continually bring that type of pressure to the draft that makes this team a lot harder to play against um and he had a quite a good game on the set game one uh game two went a little bit worse for them but yeah i I, I like like the idea of kirby going to things like that if he can if he can consistently perform yeah, I completely agree because Vinny has a very not like selfish but very carry playstyle in my opinion, mm-hmm. and I think Kirmi adding more of a selfish playstyle is good because then it's like a double threat that you have to worry about. Whereas before, not I don't think he had like a complete Captain Twig playstyle, but it was definitely 
very facilitator, very setup for his team. Yeah. Or like very like room making, I guess. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay, this is where I was like, I knew I tuned in at one point and Valks had fire and they were sieging. And they did. It was like 30 minutes. Uh, it looked like they were a little bit behind through the early mid. Won a fight, got fire, uh, and then had an opportunity, even down a little bit of gold, um, to siege with regular FG. Um, from a player perspective, how do you, like, I kind of feel like if you are ever on their Phoenix with Fire Giant and lose, uh, it, wa- it wasn't necessarily a throw, but that was like a, there's a big difference between being able to siege a Phoenix with Fire and getting even a, a 4K lead in the first 20 minutes of the game and then throwing the game. Like, I think of losing a game where you were on their Phoenix with Fire to be a more a, a more difficult loss th- to handle than, oh, we got off to a good start and then, like, entered through the mid-game or something like that. Yeah, as a player, I would say those are both equally painful experiences. Because it's like, oh, if we just don't take that one team fight, then we can just snowball our lead so much further. And then in the Fire Giant one, it's just like, oh, we did everything right, and then now we lose, so... Yeah, I, both of them are painful. As a Season 6 SSG member, uh, both of those are pretty painful. Yeah. Looks like uh, in watching back that fire, that, that Phoenix Siege, uh, they just had no they had no poke. They had no way to like open yeah, up I was going to say, Titans if Vinny's like defense. an assassin, it's like, right. what are you like starting the fight with? Your mage doesn't really have any room or any... like. Uh, threat i guess yeah you're starting you have no way to easily start the fight and they've got like a vulcan which is really annoying to siege into um yep dude vulcan yeah. got a, coming out of nowhere by the way to now be the most valuable mage do you think what are what are you what's your take on that do you think he's a little overvalued right now or do you think that he actually is as good as advertised uh coming from our leviathan set where vulcan won every game uh that god is pretty good yeah. uh it's pretty hard to dive. Uh, the cripple change definitely made a big difference, and I would like to see more of those changes in the future because I feel like a lot of those older gods are like right on the cusp of getting really good, or like getting being meta, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, back to Vulcan. I think he's like completely cracked right now. I think he's really good with like a setup jungler. I think he's also a god that doesn't need setup. You can kind of play him both ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but his burst on frontliners right now is absolutely crazy. And it, I feel like you have to kill him before he gets off like a second round of buttons or he just wins the fight. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a, like a Zonkui, um, where if they're alive for a long time, you just always lose the fight. Yeah, his cooldowns are just so low that he's not like a typical proc abuser, like a Raijin or a Merlin who mm-hmm. can just spread Soul Reaver so easily through a fight. I don't really think of Vulcan as a great AoE mage, typically. Um you know, obviously his ultimate covers a huge ground, but that's so unconfirmable. Uh, and I'd argue his one is pretty single target. His three is pretty single target. Uh, so he's not that type of proc abuser god, but because his one cooldown is so short, like yeah, pretty like hard to de- one. yeah, pretty hard to deny uh, two two rotations of backfire in a team fight. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's a four second cooldown. Uh, yeah, that guy's got to be threatened, or he is going to annihilate your front line in like two seconds. <laughs> yep. Uh, Percy in chat saying that they feel like the cripple change is the prime example of a mental buff. Uh, don't think it really helped him all that much in reality. I am more on Percy's side than cripple open this cripple losing the 
fact that your one got crippled made this god go from near zero pick rate to near 100% pick rate. Um, I do think it matters a lot in where you can take Vulcan in a draft, Mm -hmm. uh, which is huge in comp play. But in something like ranked, uh, I'll bet you that change did nearly zero to actually affect his performance. Uh, Yet he's seeing way more play than he did before. So I think it was probably mostly it was a mental buff everywhere but competitive and in competitive it was only mostly a mental buff uh there was some actual impact but probably not enough to explain the massive difference in pick rate yeah as a well as like a competitive player i feel like the cripple buff is actually like crazy big because you see like teams topic vulcan and you're like okay, your brain instantly goes, like, cripple gods. Like, what can we shut him down with? Mm -hmm. And, like, I feel like Ardeo used to be, like, really good into Vulcan, and now Ardeo just gets slammed by Vulcan Mm because you have no way to, like, really stop him. And then Cupid's really meta now, so obviously you can't backfire of uh, that. So it's, it's really just in a weird spot, I think, where... Just for a comp, I think it feels so much better to always be able to one out of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I I do agree with you guys it was a mental buff, but from like going through a lot of drafts, it feels just kind of hard to shut them down right now. I think. Right. Um, I do think like wall characters obviously are pretty good into them still. Yeah. But that's kind of like the only thing that really shuts him down, in my opinion. You know, he's got a pretty decent Vulcan matchup. The young man Zeus, just he puts down a turret. That's a free True. chain lightning. You know, he, you win your DPS race. Uh, what Vegas. year is it? Like, come on, man, get him out there. You, I know it doesn't take much to convince Van to play a little Z man. So you know, that's yeah. There's my little tip. That's just from the old box days when Vulcan was pretty good on box. Uh, I was always happy to take Zeus for that matchup. Me and Vin are gluttons for punishment with uh, immobile gods. <laughs> yes, I don't know sir. what it is, but uh, every time I can pick an immobile god, I'm like, yes, sir, lock that in. Give me that. Yo, a little Scotty. That seems good. Yes, please. A little Scotty. Why not? Let me die this Erlong gank. Yes, sir. Well, might as well. Uh, <laughs> one place that you aren't a glutton for punishment, though, Barra, is in paying for your phone bill. You know? True. That's one place where you, have, you said you had enough <laughs> when it came to paying too much for mobile service and luckily there was a place to go where you weren't locked out in the cold i don't know where that analogy came from uh or any where it could possibly mint mobile let me in to the nice fire and stuff. that's right but actually the thing about mint mobile is they don't have brick and mortar stores so that's how they save you so oh. much money you know so they actually didn't well ryan reynolds opened his personal home yeah, yeah, to yeah. you um <laughs> You know that uh, that could be a nice cabin. You know, he let me right, right. Surely Ryan Reynolds owns a cabin. Um, Uh huh. I'd I'd argue that it's more likely, yeah, that he owns multiple cabins than only that owns zero cabins. If the if the Mm -hmm. if it's over under one, uh, I'm taking the over. Um, And it's because Mint Mobile uh, is doing so well. With its great deals that Ryan Reynolds could afford all of these great cabins. Uh, that's all. That's not, I'm sure, not actually how it works. Uh, but I don't own any cabins, so I don't really know how you buy multiple. I'm just assuming. Yeah, I'm not a cabin owner as well, so. I'm yeah, but sure. we're getting closer 
mm-hmm. as long as we're using Mint Mobile because of course you get premium wireless service for just 15 bucks a month they don't have brick and mortar stores because they're just this stupid middleman that end up costing a lot of money why would you worry about any of that when you can just go online to mintmobile.com take five minutes if even picking out your best mobile plan and then they'll ship it straight to your door for free and it's just 15 bucks a month uh, you don't have to change your phone number don't have to change your phone just plug in a new sim card and you are good to go you keep all your existing contacts all that kind of good stuff uh Barra, if you had to guess how long it took you and destiny to do the actual searching and then uh installation for mint mobile total uh how long would you guess three minutes three minutes and do you think you were yeah. being particularly efficient no i'm an adc player so uh, <laughs> that is the opposite of what i do yeah you're taking your time and it still took you only three minutes uh so that's that's not bad we uh we mm-hmm. take those you get again and then on on the renewal it was even less no way yeah it was i literally went to the website it was like would you like to renew your phone but i clicked yes and uh that was it so pretty easy <laughs> Pretty easy. You heard it here first. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped straight to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash backliners. That's mintmobile.com slash backliners. Cut your wireless bill to just 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash backliners. Uh, easiest thing you'll do today. Easiest thing you'll do today. Uh, no doubt Or tonight. About or tonight. <laughs> or tomorrow even. Um, maybe even all week. All year. All mm-hmm. lifetime. There you go. That's how quickly it can escalate. Uh Okay, after the Valks Titan set came the big one of the week, I would say. The Oni Warriors up against the Jade Dragons. Uh, game one, I watched, um, and it was an absolute stomp for the Jade Dragons. And I was like, okay, mm-hmm. that's what we're going to have today. That's just how it is. Uh, they're just going to dominate, and we can just move on to tomorrow. But then uh, the Dragons, again, we talked a lot about them doing this roll swap. Uh, I believe it was last week. Um, yep. they do it again uh, Scream plays Zeus mid Pagon plays Naja jungle and they're off to a big lead I believe in this game if I remember correctly uh, oh no actually it looks pretty pretty even yeah, I think, throughout I think they were getting pressured I want to say Darda's like CERN mid I think yes okay yeah so I so my memory was incorrect on this game too yes it is pretty even but uh, Darda is playing CERN mid very physical heavy comp for the Oni Warriors, uh, their only mm-hmm. magical damage being Neoman, Ymir, and Nika on Ardeo. Uh, and then Nika, I remember watching the one team fight that kind of turned the game by gold, where Nika kind of rotates over and gets like a triple kill. And then from there, the Warriors are able to pressure out pretty effectively. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't remember if that was the game where they had a bad gold free call and got flanked, or if that was the next game afterwards. I remember like seeing a little of this set. Yeah, I don't recall uh, exactly um, which game it was, but I remember vaguely what you're talking about. Um, Mm -hmm. And then game three is uh, the team swapping, the dragon swapping back to Scream jungle, uh, Pagon mid, Pagon playing Vulcan, um, Scream playing a Willish. And this game, very even, very back and forth. And then the Warriors just are able to win a fight around fire, it looks like, and close it out from there. Uh, I really, I was hoping to have time today uh, to watch to watch back this set, but didn't get a chance to. But yeah, it looks like they literally just pick Mike and then walk to fire and no one else is really around. 
This, is a, this looks like a weird game. Like, there's a 26-minute fire giant with just Mike dead. They commit Naja alt and Fafnir alt, but, you know, Neil's still in dragon form. Uh, and the dragons are down less than 1,000 gold and then just can't contest because of 5v4 and never seem to get an honest fight the rest of the game from that position and, and lose the set 2-1 for their first loss. Yeah, I, I think Warriors have a pretty good matchup into dragons, awkwardly enough. I think when Warriors are able to play their pressure style... Wait, was that the game Dardes was Mori? No, Dardes played CERN in both games, uh, 2 and 3. He played ESET game 1. Oh, okay. When did he play Mori? Was that Sunday? Uh, Probably Sunday, yeah. Oh, okay, never mind. Never mind. I will look it up. Dude, yeah, this whole weekend's a blur for me. <laughs> yes, yeah, I was quite busy this weekend as well. Uh, it was, you know, Joe and I's anniversary weekend, so we were busy doing stuff all nice. weekend, uh, which was quite fun, but it did mean that I didn't have a lot of time for watching SPL, unfortunately. And uh, Yeah, this is like the least SPL I've watched in years for this weekend. Which yeah. Just, well, just couldn't watch, couldn't, yeah, I, yeah. Sometimes yeah. that's yeah, how it Yep, I sure do know how it be. Um, so the Jade Dragons lose, they look mortal uh, for the first time, all, all uh, phase. Uh, and then on Sunday, you guys go up against the Atlantis Leviathans. This one, mm-hmm. a much better showing from you guys, as you alluded to earlier. You know, you're able to uh, to be in there and help out. I was Cur- able to look at my monitor and see what was happening. So that was really cool. And that does tend to help in my experience, at least from time mm-hmm. to time. Um, Kernanos mid for Ven uh, in, in the game one loss, but CERN mid starting to starting to pop off a little bit, it seems. Yeah, that that god does a lot right now. Um, we didn't really play game one like we wanted to. We kind of like chalked our draft a certain way. Obviously, can't really go into detail about that, sure. but kind of chalked our draft a little bit. And then game two, we did a hard swap, uh, like draft wise and identity wise for what we wanted to do. And I ended up trolling game two. I they called the Erlon was gonna gank like fifteen seconds before he ganked, and I was like. I can probably get both blinks here and survive, and then mm. I died. Mm. So that was unlucky. Um, I think I, I think my trap was on cooldown or something, but I don't think I ever should have died to that gank. I just wanted to like bait and waste their time, but I ended up dying. So it was really bad. I think that was the only way we could ever possibly lose that game is if our side lanes or mid died like to the Erlong early game because our comp was so much better. Um, and then game three. Uh, we were, I think that game was like back and forth, uh, a lot. Mm-hmm. I want to say it was like two or three different swings back and forth. It was a really, uh, close game, contestable game. And then unfortunately, uh, we got their duo Phoenix down. We went to go set up around fire and we, we blinked on the Susano. I think we double blinked on the Susano. Um, I think we thought that he beat, but it was just his Magi's. So we kept hunting for like five to 10 seconds later I think Vin got put in a really, like, bad spot and then, like, insta-transform the Susano engage. And then once Vin, like, instantly dies and doesn't get his ult off, we just lose the fight. There's no way we can win, unfortunately. Um, yeah, we... It was just, like, an individual error, but I think our late game is getting better. Um, we're just still having to, like, work on uh, uh, kind of redefining our game plans and draft styles that we want Mm -hmm. uh we're kind of we're kind of just up in the air right now trying to figure out where we land 
Yeah. Yeah, I think that makes some sense. Um, yeah, I just watched back that uh, that engage, and that is uh, oh the game three. Yeah, the game three. Yeah, uh, the game three fight. Yeah, getting bl- but getting uh, a Susano on you melee range as a mage thirty five minutes into the game. Relics don't feel like they do a whole lot for you uh, <laughs> in, in that situation. Yeah. Uh, don't know. Yeah, he didn't. Don't I don't think Vin thought that he was gonna full commit to him, so he like didn't insta transform and then he just got full committed on and it was kind of funny driving back in the in the car i was like maybe asha's stuck with vin because you saw him didn't have beads but apparently his beads were up so it's a really good thing i wasn't next to him because then we both get hit by everything and he just beads and he just beads my tusky and kills me or yeah just drops us both to half hp and gets kept reulted so yes yeah kind of kind of just uh individual mistake by then but i mean that stuff happens all the time so unlucky yeah that's uh that do be how it goes sometimes uh was it uh how uh how did it feel going up against uh up against haddix in 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 this week oh that guy's terrible it was crazy how bad he was (laughs) i'm watching him absolutely just like basic attack you down as camazot yeah dude that guy was shelled and like kepri too and it was like 40 damage a pop and i was like yep i'm not winning this one and i literally i think i went devos that game two box of camo yep and then he just auto attacks me and I do 40 damage. So that was really cool and interactive for me. Yeah, well, he went Tainted um, Breastplate, so you're healing uh, him, actually. Yeah, we're... Yeah. <laughs> he, <laughs> dude, I remember that game, I think they had, like, Divine and Brawlers, and I was like, why? Yep. Why do they I have that? They have um, Pele. You guys have Pele. Yeah. Yeah. Bad, bad buys. Un- unlucky. They're, they're messing up. Yeah, I, I probably shouldn't have gone Devos that game, but I, I've been... Devos feels really good some games, and other games doesn't feel that impactful. I know a lot of people have been memeing me for buying Devos or whatever, but it does feel pretty good. Hmm. And I, I'm looking at it as I'm just kind of wanting to not build the same build I've been building for a long time. And if, if a build feels good, I'm just going to slam it in SPL and see what happens. Seems good to me. Um... Next up was the Kings versus the Warriors. The Warriors had a real chance to solidify themselves as a, as a serious contender, I think, if they had won this set. Uh, and they come out of the gate strong. They looked really good in game one, I remember. That that was the only game of this set I could catch. Um, and then games two and three just don't go their way. In particular, game two, 24-minute Kings victory. Very quick one. Uh, looks like they probably won through backline AMC and Ho Yi. Uh, it, AMC for Big Man Tings, not the type of god that he normally goes for, but that is uh, that's that's exactly what it looks the best, I think. And yep. if BMT can consistently pressure enemy teams to consider AMC in the draft, uh, this Kings team becomes even harder to draft against, uh, which it already isn't. Um, do you think Big Man Tings gets enough credit? I feel like Big Man does a lot of a lot of work uh and is not usually thought of as a premier mid laner uh in the spl among like the reddit community or you know twitch chat or uh casual fans that i talk to all that kind of stuff like i feel like people don't put big man's name necessarily in that conversation for for best mid laner but i think that if you look at his numbers uh over the last like two years uh, i think it's pretty mm-hmm. indisputable that 
that he's one of, if not the best mid laners in the league. Yeah, I think if you're a good player, you know how good BMT is, and if you're a bad player, you probably don't. And also, he's not really that big of a streamer or, like, name or content creator, so a lot of people will, like, think about content creators and that are also pro players mm-hmm. a lot more than just a pro player that has really good numbers, in my opinion. Yes. Um, I, I think... Also, Kings as a team don't really stream that much. I think it's just like Twig and Genetics that stream. Mm-hmm. So I think that also doesn't really bring much attention to them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, you're definitely correct, 100%, that people don't realize how good BMT is. Like, he's definitely in contention for best mid laner, 100%. Yeah, I... I... Like I'd be hard pressed to find many players who I'd put if we if we had like a season long MVP like big man just might have my vote right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he has been unbelievable it, this season. I think he's just one of, if not maybe the most consistent mid laner. Yeah, yeah, but I. Yeah, like, I always doesn't... used to say I always used to say big man is a type of player who's not gonna he's he's a game manager. He's not gonna lose you the game, he's not gonna win you the game. That's what he was when he first moved to mid, I felt like. Uh then there was a while where I felt like he was losing you games. Um But these days I don't think that he's gonna lose you many games. He doesn't have uh, a bad game very often. Um about the same as a guy like Paul. Uh and he has as many carried style performances as like someone like Paul does. I feel like mm-hmm. he's always he like he this guy is hard carrying some games. Um, this game again, this game three against the Warriors. This is a, this is a long game. Okay, this is a thirty-seven minute game. His GPM was five hundred and eighty-three. That is not real. Like that is absurd in a thirty-seven minute game to have five hundred eighty-three gold per minute. Even if you're a team that's winning the whole time, he's on a high-perform character like Poseidon, that is still an absurd amount of gold. And it's 36k like damage. and Shinto levels of farming. Yeah, that's crazy. That is abs- that is an absurd amount of gold mm-hmm. for a long game. I don't know. I'm just like looking at these stats and I'm thinking like, BMT definitely does not get enough hype Uh for for how good he is i think when people talk about the kings i feel like they talk about genetics the most they talk a lot about twig and both those guys are absolutely deserving um but most of the time it's like front backliners who get the hype but it's frontliners who do a lot of the carrying um Mm -hmm. like last year on broadcast i would say all the time that i think the leviathans are so good because i thought they were just frontline diffing every team they played against like rongyu yark and Panatom were just like winning every frontline yeah, battle. Yeah, Panatom would literally just win games. Like, it was crazy. I remember the Gilg. Yeah. Like, obviously, Shinto and Zap are two of the best to ever do it, and I don't want to disrespect them in any way, but I would have won games with the Leviathans playing mid last year at times mm-hmm. because their frontline was that good, and they make your job so easy when they're, when they're playing really well. Uh, it's just interesting to me that the Kings are kind of the opposite. That I don't feel like anyone talks about Big Man or Netroid. Everyone talks about their front line instead. Yeah, Netroid has been going buck wild lately. He really he, has. Like, like, he used to be one of the safest ADCs in teamfights and would just kind of have like a vote style of teamfighting where like Vote and Dardas really never take damage. Like they will always sit in the back and never like trade their health bar. 
Mm-hmm. And Metroid used to be like that, like safe playstyle wise, but now this man is like jumping into team fights, like trying to trade his HP bar for damage. Like it's it's really fun to watch. Something he dies a lot for it, but uh it's it's really fun to watch. Yeah. Understands his role on the team, you know, not not much more you could ask for than that. Um mm-hmm. And then, finally, uh, the Jade Dragons up against Tartarus Titans. I think this was a pretty important bounce-back set for the Dragons. Uh, You know, stopping the skid at one set, um, not falling into a little bit of a rut. Uh, They come in, handle the Titans pretty handily. um, 35 minutes and 25 minutes, uh, but seems to have been in control for the vast majority of it. Cyclone in the earlier set and in this set did play some Ishtar. I think he's the only one to to play any Ishtar so far uh, in the SPL. Were you surprised at all to see Cyclone picking that god? Yeah, I don't think that god's very good, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, though, the one and the two are just not great buttons. Uh, they're just leveling them just doesn't really feel like it's impactful at all. Mm-hmm. Uh Ishtar is a really, really fun god, but competitively, I don't think she's the best. Um, obviously, I think her situations where she thrives, if you can ult three somebody and they don't have a relic or a dash, um, and you just one-shot them, that's cool. And, like, spread-shotting a frontliner, that also feels really cool. But the two just doesn't feel that impactful a lot of times, and... Once your dash gets caught and then you backflip into a team, you're not living that either. And the ult at, like, long range just doesn't feel that impactful. Because you hit it, like, you hit, like, two ticks of it. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't really feel like it does much. Um, But I I was surprised that he picked it. Uh, Yeah, I think he was just experimenting, probably. But I was was definitely surprised. Yeah, I think that's, uh, I think I was as well. Um... And with that, we are two weeks in um, to the SPL. Uh, Kings and Dragons sitting at one and two. Well, I guess two and one. Dragons in first, Kings in second. Um, No real surprise there. Uh, Overall, I think the standings kind of look how we expected. Um, Warriors, Leviathans, Titans all grouped up in the middle. Uh, You said at the very Mm -hmm. beginning, Barra, that you expected a pretty slow start from you guys that will ramp up. the slow start has proven to be the case, so obviously rooting for the for the ramp up as this as the phase goes on. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, I wish we could uh, replay Valkyries. That'd be cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, well, you you'll play them again. <laughs> oh, know? we do. Yeah, yeah. That's fine. There you go. You'll uh, you'll get your chance to get some revenge there. Um, yeah. But yeah, pretty uh, pretty fun weekend from what I was able mm-hmm. to watch, uh, and excited to see this upcoming weekend. Um, now, before we get into the random question of the week and all that kind of good stuff, which this week will be our first week that we are taking questions from our Patreon Discord, uh, you can head on over to patreon.com slash backliners if you want to get in on the community Discord um, and uh, have your questions chosen, all that kind of stuff, and some more benefits that I'll talk about in a minute. But um, I wanted to talk about something that I think... I know we've talked about it on the podcast at some point in the in the past, but we've been doing this for a long time, and I'm sure a lot of people out there are getting geared up to start their ranked climb in Season 10. Uh, I think that we should probably do another series of episodes after Worlds on how to climb uh, in ranked, um, depending on your role, like good habits, uh, good god styles to pick, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh but that'll be, you know, after Worlds has concluded. 
Um, but I've been talking to a friend who's like trying to to improve, uh, like dedicate some time to improving at Smite and all that kind of stuff. And one thing that I noticed when I was looking at his gameplay a little bit more critically that I'm sure that I can tell that I've gotten a lot worse at as I've uh, become less and less competitive uh, over the years and something that when I dive back into trying to grind up, I'm going to be paying a lot of attention to is particularly for backliners. That's what I'm talking about here since that's the name of our podcast. Uh, (laughs) Relic usage is so, so key and it will win Mm -hmm. or lose you so many games like you will throw so many easy win games if you mess up relic usage and you can really win an unwinnable game by using your relics intelligently um so i felt like it might just take some time you know it might be valuable for us to take a little bit of time and kind of uh, explore what what i mean by that so bear when i say like using your relic you let, let's 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 split them up even let's go with let's start with beads okay okay what does a what constitutes a good usage of beads versus a bad usage of beads if you had to be very broad uh bad is when you use it you're 100 percent going to die and you're not buying any extra time by beadsing mm-hmm I think if you are, like, we're you, people always talk about, like, the Zap Relics. If you're using those right before you die, which is, like, basically a Zap Relic, or yep. not pressing them, um, you just, you buy those three to four seconds, which can really win you a team fight because you're not dying in an instant CC. So sometimes Relic using, or using Relics, and dying is appropriate if you can buy extra time and survive a little bit longer, and basically just buy your time or buy your team a few more seconds to win the, the to win the fight. Mm-hmm. But there's a very very uh, small difference there, I think, which takes a lot of hours of gameplay and also understanding damage values, uh, juking potential, like what buttons are up for them and what buttons you have up. Um, like, say your de- your jump's up in two seconds, and if you beads, you can probably get the jump up and live, or even buy, like, a few more seconds in the air. I think that is a good beads usage. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, if it's if it's in the 50-50 spot, and you're trying to learn how to use relics, just always press it. Yeah. And then you'll start to learn, like, you'll start to differentiate which, like, 50-50 uh, is going to go in your favor, in my opinion. Yeah, I think if you're a player who wants to get better at relic usage, um, and you're really serious about climbing, uh, I would make note of literally every time you use your beads in the whole game. Um, mm-hmm. have, a, have a little notepad up on your side monitor, have a little notepad next to you that you can write down in, and just really... If you, you know, if you aren't recording your gameplay, uh, which you can do, you know, using OBS or something like that, or if you're on a console, like literally clip every time you use your beads in a game and then just watch them all back and see if, you know, here are the key questions that I think constitute whether or not you use your relic well. Number one, did you need to use it? Uh, Like Barrow was saying, Um, I think the the thing that takes the longest time. like don't. Most most of the time, don't press it. Like 
If, right. Especially if it's just the support there. Yes. Just take a second to breathe. He's probably just being annoying, and he's, like, blinking to see if you beat. And, exactly. Like, panic. Yep. I think that is such a key thing is, like, all the time, if I'm playing on a Smurf or something like that, and I'm, like, in a lower elo, I'm playing, like, Fafnir support, and I hammer, I walk up by myself out of the jungle and hammer the enemy mid laner and they beads, I know that that, that, that player isn't thinking very well about the game state, right? Like, yeah. if, you, if you get hit with a CC, the mental check that your brain should start to automatically do after you do it consciously enough is, who's around? How much damage can they do to me? What buttons do they have up? What buttons do I have up? You know, what is my play if I beads now? How bad is it if I sit here for this whole CC? All that kind of stuff. All that should really be going through your head and being decided in like a couple of frames. Um, yep. And it sounds like a lot, but I guarantee you are doing it at some level. It probably just isn't as conscious of a thought process as it needs to be. Um, so I would look very critically at, did I need to beads in this situation? And what I do now that I'm old and washed is that I just disrespect every CC in the whole game, and I'll hold my beads uh, until I, I I'm I'm Snoopy relicking, you know. That's the opposite the of Zap Man. It's just I'm holding it. Like I don't respect this. Like I don't need yep. to beads this Kraken knockup or anything like that. Like I don't want to. Uh, and then I die, and I'm like, God, I'm so terrible. Like why am I not using my relics? Uh, so yeah, that's something that I know that I'm trying to work on uh, as we're getting close to season ten is ramping up on threat assessment making sure that i know how much damage i'm going to take all that kind of stuff um mm -hmm. the other really easy thing that you can do to get better at beads and when looking back at clips of every time you use your beads and that really is what i would recommend doing install shadow play if you're on console you can clip it there's a lot of different clip software out there Just set a hotkey every time you use your beads record the last minute of gameplay uh after the fight is over and go back and watch it after the game you could just delete it right after that to save space on your computer um but think about every single usage that way uh and that's could i have did i see this coming and could i have determined that i needed to beads before i actually got cc'd so that i could have pre-beads um so often i feel like you see the the max distance spirit ball and you know it's gonna hit you you know you don't have room to juke you know you're gonna need to beads it and they take the hit stand still for half a second and then beads and then they end up dying because they got cc'd yep. during that time if you are gonna have to beads when the cc lands don't let it land like just beads nine times out of ten that is the correct play now there are times you know if we're really getting into like high level strategies there's a there's benefit to waiting and getting cc'd so that they could overcommit to you and then you can double relic and bait out more and all that kind of stuff don't worry about all that you know uh if you could have if you saw a cc coming and you knew you needed a beads and you still got cc'd next time it's i'm gonna pre-beads that type of cc and getting slowly also, better pre-beadsing is really important one big thing about beadsing is try to not press another button around the time that you need to press that beads key yes because, uh, can't lock yourself sometimes out. yeah sometimes it won't work sometimes it will so uh if you're going to start an animation right before you get stunned, sometimes you'll have to wait through that duration, and uh, it's not pretty. So, as Agro said, if you feel like a CC is coming your way 100%, you have to tank it. Just Also, you can just do the adapting thing, just pre-beats. Yep. Just, 
just you you know you're gonna get hit by it just always pre-beads and that's that's something a lot of frontliners like really good frontliners do now if they know they're gonna get cc and they need to get their combo off on say like a hades or something like you will just blink pre-beads press all your buttons and ult and like you're literally cc moon the whole time yep and but i don't know pre-beading is like too advanced um i don't think so i think it's yeah. an easy thing to like i saw this ymir, this ymir walked up and froze me and i got frozen <laughs> oh, yeah. i beads and then i got hit by his two whereas if you would have pre-beads yep. this done you can walk out of where he's gonna land the two you know uh all that kind of stuff is pretty easily identifiable i feel like not easy to to change uh and you're gonna have some real bad beads games uh and moments and all that kind of stuff and you know just don't be too hard on yourself understand that that's uh that's part of the the journey uh if you will is is getting better at at those types of things and you're gonna have some Mm -hmm. stinkers along the way um and then last but not least is exactly what Barra was going to say, which is if you were not playing a, a backliner, and even if you are, you know, if you're playing Raijin or something like that, that's got to be aggressive. These aggressive junglers in particular, all the time I see people try and like Thor dunk and then just get the, and try and use their buttons. And once they get CC'd, they'll beads, but it's interrupted their three or their two or, you know, anything like that. If you know, they're going to CC you just it's okay to preemptively beats and if they outplay you by holding their cc fair play to them but the vast majority of the time they won't um and you can get so many more kills uh if you aggress use your beads aggressively um in order to know that even if you get cc'd afterwards it's like if i'm cc for these three seconds i know i can kill this guy depending on the game state but a lot of times that's worth it for you uh as a as a diver so just something to keep in mind there um all right how about for how about for agus barry what are some general agus uh noob traps that people fall into with with that relic uh i think pressing it every time you beat yes uh people will just not think and they'll just slam both of their relics at the same time and you don't have to do that surprisingly and a lot of the times i agus now is like right before obviously it's gonna sound really obviously i'm wording it but right before i'm about to take a lot of damage like you need to see the situation coming especially with how strong mages are right now i think you just need to have a little bit of foresight to when they're gonna press buttons also same goes for assassins right now Uh, i think that they are also in one shot positions as someone who got one shot by a thor like two weeks ago in mm-hmm. SPL. Uh, you don't have time to beads and Aegis all the time, so you kind of just need to be really quick with your Aegis and figure out when you're going to take a lot of damage or, like, what... Like, say you're taking a 1v1, say you're taking an ADC 1v1, like, when am I going to get hit by this cubital? When am I going to hit by the bomb? And if I Aegis one of these or both of them, will I 100% win the 1v1? Like, mm-hmm. those are the thoughts that you should be thinking. Um, but I think... Uh, the noob thing is just panicking, like panicking and just pressing Aegis, like yeah. whenever you're going to take like a barely little bit of damage or like, if you think you're going to take a lot of damage and you don't end up taking a lot of damage, that's not a noob trap in my opinion, because mm-hmm. someone could have hit you with a lot of buttons. Right. Um, but yeah, you just, a- Aegising is weird. I think Aegising is a lot harder than beating in my opinion. I agree. Um, 
I think that the number one noob trap I see is, oh man, I just took so much damage. I'm going to Aegis and all oh, their buttons yeah. are down. Um, because it all it does is just buy them time to get their buttons back up. Uh, the, the easiest, the easiest like rule of thumb that I've been able to come up with is let's say you're playing against raw and you're trying to kill him. You should Aegis the one every time instead of trying to Aegis trying to Aegis the all right like if that if that first beam is going to make this this fight a lot harder for you Mm -hmm. just use it like it'll be if you could guarantee that it gets value uh and you aren't interrupting the flow of your fight then it's always worth it to just take the guaranteed hp save versus the conditional one um and that's kind of the way that I think is the easiest way to look at Aegis is I'm using it as a conditional heal uh, to get myself out of weird situations. Um, yep. And also a really good way to use an Aegis, particularly if you're a mage, um, is if you dump the whole kit and you know you've got four seconds where you can't contribute anything and someone can be hitting you during that time, if you Aegis, it lets you get your buttons back up. And then your buttons can save you if you're that type of god. You know, if you're an Eset mm-hmm. or a Giannis or something like that. Using it just to buy yourself time to get your buttons back is really, really key. So don't be afraid to to be a little aggressive um, if you know your cooldowns can come back up uh, during yep. that time. The worst timing to Aegis is use all your buttons, take a bunch of damage, have to Aegis at 10% HP as all of your buttons come up and they'll kill you out of Aegis every time. Um, so I think that people just wait too long to be using their Aegis. So again, same thing, type of thing with beats. I would just record your, your a clip every time you use a relic and then watch back the clip and think, could I have Aegis earlier? Is it, did I need to Aegis at this point? Could have I, could I have saved it and used it a little bit later? Uh, am I using it when they are on cooldown? Um, cause that's usually the cardinal sin, you know, unless their biscuit attacks are going to kill you, wait to you, wait to immune the key ability. Uh, am I using it while I'm on cooldown or my, all my buttons up and I could have used those to, to be a little bit more effective. Um, those are the big things that I think will, I would say that taking the exact same mechanical player who has the exact same God pool, exact same tendencies, everything like that. One is okay at using their relics as a backliner and one is not good at using the relics as a backliner the one who is okay will be a full division higher in ranked like yep. the exact same plat player can become diamond by exclusively only being better at using relics uh i really think they're that important um yeah i completely agree like yeah i mean you watch people like zap who will sometimes have like the best baits ever yeah and then sometimes have the worst baits ever but that's just his play style and yep. i think also like trying to learn a play style with relics is also really good like you can be the super safe team fighter style you can be the bait guy that everyone goes on um and like the way you use relics is different for both players. Like, Zap wants people to go on him. Zap wants to be 1 HP. He wants to barely survive and buy a lot of time for Shinto to cast. Right. And some people are good at that. Like, Zap is definitely the best player at that. But some people... Like, I actually don't think anyone can really do the same thing that Zap does. Like, he... 
He is a inter, but in like the best possible way. One of a kind. One of a kind. There's there's no doubt about it. Um, He's the best baiter. Not going to touch that one even a little bit. Turn away from the cliff, as uh, as we do very often here on the podcast. Um, all right, that's going to do it. I set it. you up. Yeah, I know. And I, and I turned away. I turned away from the cliff. Uh, that does it for our normal stuff. Again, uh, for a random question of the week, this is coming from our Patreon Discord. If you want to be a part of our uh, Discord community. And this is a pretty poppin' Discord, if I do say so myself. Uh, Patreon.com slash Backliners is the place to go. It's the best place to support Barra and I directly. Uh, if you're a fan of the podcast and then right after this, as soon as we hang up, uh, here on the podcast and on the stream, Bear and I are going to be popping into the community discord every week to just kind of hang out. Uh, you can ask us some questions. We can talk, we can continue our talk of whatever you're talking about on the podcast. Uh, I'll tell Barra what I had for dinner. Um, you know, just that general type of hangout and all that kind of stuff. So again, patreon.com slash backliners is the place to go. All right. Uh, so in the random question of the week suggestion channel, uh, we've got uh, a couple ones. I think we'll probably try and do at least two, if not three, um, every single week. Uh, so let's start with Seafog. Um, they don't know if this has already been done, and I can't remember either. But uh, what is your most impressive looking meal that requires very little effort? So something that you could cook that you think would impress a guest, uh, but you know wasn't actually that hard. Um, I would say probably a burrito bowl or just a bowl in general. Mm, that's um, a good one. So, as as a vegan, uh, bowls are a really good way to get like a lot of nutrients in in a very easy way. Mm-hmm. Um, you just throw like a couple of veggies in there, throw a carb in there, throw a protein in there, have a sauce, and then it always looks so like beautiful mm-hmm. before you dive in. And they're really easy to do because it's just, like, a few ingredients that you can either, like, roast or you can cook over the stove. And then it's just, like, a big combination of everything. So you just kind of toss everything into a bowl and uh, throw a sauce on it. It's, it's always delicious. And it always looks really good. That's a good, that's a good answer. Uh, I think mine is anything that we cook in the sous vide because the sous vide is a cheat code. Um, it's un, it's unmess upable uh, and it comes out really perfectly cooked every time so i think i would say like a a salmon um like a a good piece of salmon with some some roasted broccoli and then pearl couscous is a great little grain that we eat all the time people are like we've had a lot of guests over and we like make salmon broccoli and couscous as the dinner you know nice easy healthy dinner um Mm -hmm. and it's so easy and everyone's always like wow what couscous like how do you even make this and i'm like dude you literally (laughs) just like buy it and then you put it in a pot like it could not be any easier but for whatever reason couscous always like it's unique to a lot of uh to a lot of just like uh at least you know the people that that i've served it to are people like my family and that kind of stuff so uh, middle class white people uh are always impressed it seems like by couscous so that's that's my go-to at the very least it's just delicious. We cook it in like some uh, chicken stock. Well, obviously, yep. not yep. chicken, but chicken, uh, and it is just—it's banging. Yes, it is absolutely banging. Um, okay, next one is from Mojo Jojo. Uh, this is gonna get me out of uh, the hole that I dug myself earlier with my wife. Uh, the three words uh, that dis- three adjectives, I guess, would be the best uh, for uh, why we 
fell in love with our spouses. Uh, their examples are like <laughs> passion, honesty, integrity, uh, that, that made us really, uh, connect with our, with our partners. And there's a good one. Cause it was my, my wife and I's anniversary, uh, wedding anniversary. This weekend. So, uh, I I'll, I'll start then Barra since I made you start for the last one. Um, three adjectives. Uh, my wife is very <laughs> funny. That's, that's definitely uh, a big one for me is that I'm going to troll, uh, and I need someone who can laugh at me trolling, but also make me laugh with their trolling. And she's a bigger troll than I am. No one will ever, uh, if anyone knows both of us, then I think everyone would agree. Uh, she is, she is much more of a troll than me, if you can believe it. Um, she's very, uh, she cares about stuff a lot, which I also do, uh, as many longtime podcast listeners know, uh. And so I think that I would find it hard to be with someone who isn't uh, willing to be very passionate about very uh, mundane things. Um, and she is, uh, she's, I, I can't say patient because she's one of the least patient people when it comes to things that she wants. Like if she wants something, she can't wait. Like it's got to be right now. It's got to be immediate. But when it comes, you know, she's also like a first grade special ed teacher. So she has an unlimited patience for certain situations, but is so impatient when it comes to her own personal stuff. And I think that I, I just, she's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, she's, she's just a lot of fun in general. Uh, and that's like, and that's very important to me. So, um, I mean, I could go on forever, but it, we only have so much, uh, and you know, of course, like. Uh, I was going for personality traits, not the fact that I think she's smoking hot, but of course I think she's smoking hot. Uh, that's the way it goes. Roddy, you got out of that hole. <sighs> tough climb, you know, I was all the way at the bottom there. <laughs> uh, what, what do you got, Barra? Uh, mine is kind of, well, I, I'm kind of stealing your first one, but Fair. also funny. Um, because we both kind of have a very aggressive uh humor style i guess like i've said things to her that i would never say to anyone else like <laughs> but she can see the humor in it so it's not like a bad thing mm -hmm. it, that sounds like weird but just the way that we like aggressively joke with each other mm -hmm. but not in like a breaking each other down kind of way sure i don't think i would be able to do that with like really anyone else just we're just very aggressive joking with each other and i absolutely love it because i've never been with someone that can take a joke as well as she, as she can mm -hmm. and i mean i guess like my dad's kind of the same way like aggressive joking with my mom so mm -hmm. i think that's kind of where i got that style from sure. um and my second favorite thing or second adjective is just chill um because we don't really care we're kind of the opposite of you guys <laughs> where we don't really care a lot about a lot of things mm -hmm. it's just kind of a relaxing relationship where we can have deep talks about some things but also at the end of the day it doesn't seem like that important i yeah. guess Sure. Um, and that's, I also like that a lot because it's just like someone I can just 
lay on the couch with and watch TV and just chill with, and that's always been really important to me. And I think that was kind of our basis of our relationship when we first started dating, mm-hmm. was like we would go on a fair bit of dates, but we both just kind of wanted to be home, I guess, and just relax. Like, dates are cool and everything, but I like, or I guess we both like just kind of chilling and watching TV and yeah. being in each other's company. And the last one is caring. Uh, just how much she cares about me and other people in general and wants them to be the best versions of themselves and as well as like taking care of herself. Like, she'll always be the one to like get out of bed and either go. Like, at night, like, either take the dishes back or cook for me or just kind of make sure I'm in the best, like, mental health. Because I've been obviously struggling for a long time since my brother passed away. So, just caring and taking care of me is definitely one of the top three things. Yep. 100%. Big mood. Shout out Joe and Destiny to two goats. No doubt about it. Um mm-hmm. And then finally, uh, from from the uh, from the little stack here, uh, from the uh, again Patreon Discord channel, Seafog um, once again, our home maintenance thing. Like, if anything goes wrong in that area, you don't bother calling anyone because you got this. Do you have a home maintenance thing? I'm not sure that I do. I have to like think about it. Uh, mine is asking Destiny. <laughs> Dude, mine is asking Joe to fix it. She is so <laughs> much handier than I am. It's crazy. Uh, like. I'll try to fix something, and if my first two to three things don't work, I just get frustrated and Same. angry and, like, want to start beating it. So like, tilting. Whatever it is. And I'm just like, why won't you work? So annoying, dude. She'll, like, slow it down a fair bit. And, like, I the other day I couldn't... It was, like, yesterday. I couldn't get her, like... I was replacing the battery in her key fob, and I tried to, like get out the like motherboard or whatever it is in there with like mm-hmm. my fingers and I try to take it out with a butter knife and I'm like neither one of these things is working and I was getting so angry I'm like I'm about to like catapult this thing out with a butter knife <laughs> and then I was like nope can't do that so I just went upstairs and like started I think we were like scrimming or whatever and I was like I'm just gonna stop doing this and yeah it's yeah Joe has yeah. to finish a lot of projects that I start for sure um i have uh i did develop um a little extra skill around we had a toilet who that would always you know have that running sound all the time um it wouldn't the the drain wouldn't close off uh and i did a fair bit of work on fixing those um where you know obviously i wouldn't be calling a plumber for that uh because Mm-hmm. No, I live, but back in when I was living in apartments and that kind of stuff, I'm, I'm, I definitely put in a lot of tickets for like, oh, my toilet like won't stop making the, the noise and all that kind of stuff. Um, and that's one thing that she does not have a lot of expertise in. So, uh, that very specific thing that is actually, uh, not difficult at all to fix. Um, that's all me, you know, I got, I got that one. Uh, not a whole lot else though. I'm not very, I'm not, I wouldn't describe myself as, uh, as a very good homeowner quite yet uh or even okay maybe not even bad i might be in the terrible zone still like 
My best thing is drilling holes and like putting things up on the wall or putting things together. Mm. When something breaks in my house, I'm not good. Like no, I, Joe is better I than just, me at all uh, at all three of those things by a long shot. I'll just start like YouTubing things and like if the first two things don't work, I start getting frustrated and need to walk away. Yep. Uh, but it, when it comes to like an instruction manual for like putting together like a bed or like a bookshelf, like I love that and really enjoy it. As long as the pieces aren't small. If the pieces are small, I start getting frustrated mm -hmm. because I have like it's like some like manual dexterity thing that just annoys me. If the, if the parts are really small, I'll just start getting tilted. Um, especially if I like drop a very tiny screw and need to like chase it around the inside of something, mm -hmm. that is the most tilting thing that happens to me. Um, yeah, yeah. I, uh, uh... I, I'm just getting tilted thinking about. It. Yep. <laughs> Literally, do you have? There's one. Uh, there's one thing that every time we would move out or move into a new apartment or to our house, putting up curtain rods makes me want to like do unspeakable things uh that one task for whatever reason i've always been doing it like i always uh, have to do it because she's too short and i need to do something uh and that's uh -huh. me saying that um but i hate it god do i hate it uh i hate putting up curtain rods it drives me insane i don't know what it is about it but i don't think i've ever put one up i would i would rather get hitting the nuts real hard that have to put up really rod. yeah real hard i hate what it. happened to you with curtain <laughs> i got hit in the nuts real hard <laughs> i don't know man i don't know it's just a tilter it's just a tilter that's all it is to that's it. fair um okay uh that does it for this week here on the backliners uh we'll be back next week to talk patch notes and talk about maui my uh my first god who's coming to smite super excited about that um hopefully uh it's all excitement and not holy crap uh this is the most broken god of all time um but if it is uh deal with it so yeah that's kind of all i've got um we'll be back next week with some more backliners action again our sponsors for this episode thanks to factor you can head over to go.factor75.com slash backliners 60 in order to get 60 percent off your first box midmobile.com slash backliners of course in order to get uh premium mileage service for just 15 bucks a month it's a great way to support the show is to interact with our sponsors. Um, and then if you want to support us directly, patreon.com slash backliners is the place to go for that. That's where Bear and I are heading. Is over to the community Discord to hang out for a few minutes after the show. Um, and make sure you're checking out all of Prediction's other great shows and all that kind of stuff. A lot of great content coming out of the Prediction pipeline. So make sure you're checking them out. Uh, Prediction Esports is the place to go for all that. Uh, Bera, with that said, I believe you might know what to do in this instance. Bye. <laughs> Why'd you say it like that? I was just trying to have a little bit of variety, man. You got. The, I was like, I thought your camera. I thought your mic got cut out at first because that laugh was like, it was it was a near the note where you start your buy, and I was like, is, I is he okay? Well, I didn't know when you were gonna start, and I was building up the pressure in my lungs, so I didn't know what to do. <laughs> All right, well, I didn't like, even um, do the splash thing. Do you have to do another one? Is that how this works? Or are we just rolling with that one? I don't know. I thought that one was good enough. All right, good enough. All right, see you next week. All right, see you, boys.